Hey friends, welcome to Girls Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is Ashlyn Carter. Ashlyn's a new friend of mine, and she is a gal who's inspiring me like crazy these days. She's a copywriter, a calligrapher, and an amazing speaker who travels all over the country teaching creative women how to tell their stories and sharing her story too. And that's what you're going to hear about in today's episode. Today, Ashlyn's going to be telling us the story of how she's battled perfectionism, work-life imbalance, an eating disorder, anxiety, and depression. She tells us her story of recovery and of grace and how she's learning to work from a place of rest, not from a place of hustle. And that is just the beginning. Friends, I took notes like crazy during this conversation. I seriously have a whole list of things that Ashlyn mentioned in this episode that I cannot wait to put into practice in my own life. But even more than that, as we talked, I feel like Ashlyn gave me the biggest hug. She has this way of immediately feeling like your best friend and helping you see that you're not alone in what you're going through. And that's exactly what she did for me. Right before we jumped into the conversation, I told Ashlyn that I was pretty sure I was going to cry during this episode because we were going to be talking about anxiety on a day that I was really struggling with it myself. Ashlyn looked me in the eye right before we started recording and said, Steph, you are so not alone in this. And then I did start crying. Guys, if you struggle with perfectionism or if your work-life balance is totally off these days or if you're struggling with an eating disorder or with anxiety or with depression, there is one thing I hope you walk away from this conversation knowing. It's exactly what Ashlyn told me. You are so not alone in this. I cannot wait to jump in. But before we do, there's something I wanted to make absolutely sure to tell you about. So a few months ago, I was speaking at an event and I was sharing the story of the Lipstick Gospel. By the way, if you haven't read it yet, the Lipstick Gospel is my very first book. It's my testimony of the story of how I became a Christian. And you can pick up a free copy through the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at Esme Wilson over on Instagram. So anyway, after my talk, I got off the stage and one of the women from the audience came up to me with a question. She told me, I want this. I've been a Christian all my life, but my relationship with God just isn't as rich and as colorful as the one you described. I want to know God better, to trust Him and to see Him do amazing things in my life, but I have no idea how to get there. What do I do next? I've been asked that question so many times and I'm always at a loss for an answer. I have an answer I do, it's just too much to share in a quick conversation. But that night, as I struggled to give her a helpful answer in the 30 seconds I had with her, I had an idea. I went straight back to my hotel room, pulled out my laptop, and I began to write. As I sat there on the hotel bed, I wrote down every bit of wisdom and advice and encouragement I have for when it comes to getting closer to God. I wrote down the stories from my life, the actual steps I took, the decisions I made, the prayers I prayed, and everything I've learned along the way, and I love what that night of writing turned into. It turned into a devotional and a prayer journal, my very best resources for helping women experience a beautiful, deep, vibrant, and transformative relationship with God, and I would love to share them with you. They're called the Lipstick Gospel Prayer Journal and the Lipstick Gospel Devotional. And whether it's your first time getting to know God or whether you're at a point in your faith when you want to go deeper, they are an invitation to see God in a whole new way, to step into the story He has for you. And they're practical guides for how to do that one day at a time. If you guys have read my book, The Lipstick Gospel, you know that for years I thought Christianity would take me away from the kind of life I wanted to live. But actually, it plopped me directly in the center of it. I've learned that God is a God of great coffee and best friends and laughing so hard you cry or pee your pants. He's trips to the mountains and your toes in the sand and love beyond anything you ever knew your heart could hold. He's healing and redemption and the best friend you could ever have. And that's what we'll find the more we get to know him. And that's what these books are here for. They're each 90 days long and you can go through them either at the same time or do one then the other, whatever works best for you. But in them both, we're going on a journey towards a fuller relationship with God, with our lives and with ourselves. Truly, if you're looking to grow closer to God in this season of your life, I would love to share them with you. So here's how you can get them. You can either go to my shop, which is smaywilsonshop.com, or you can find that link through my Instagram profile. Again, I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, so with that said, I am so excited for this week's episode. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Ashlyn. You guys, I'm so excited for who we have on the podcast today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Ashlyn Carter. Ashlyn, thank you for being here. This is so fun. Thank you so much for having me on. This is an honor. I'm excited to chat. Oh my gosh. So good. So Ashlyn, before we jump in, can you give us just some background? Tell us who you are, what you do, introduce yourself to us. And I want to hear, give us a fun fact. 
Okay. So my name is Ashlyn and I'm here based in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a calligrapher and a copywriter for creative entrepreneurs. So um, I worked in corporate for years and started a small business about just over two years ago called Ashlyn Writes. So that's what I do every day. And I love my job. And a fun fact, one that one that's my go-to besides I've never broken a bone before is um, I traveled as my first job out of college. I went to 29 American universities in two suitcases cases, one carry-on. And every university I went to, I asked to see the football stadium because I am such a big college football fan. Um, But that was really fun. It was the best job I'll never do again. I loved it. But yeah, I've seen a whole, I've probably seen more football stadiums than like your boyfriend or your husband's. My husband would think that is so cool. He is (laughs) such a big football fan. I think that's so cool. Um, Were you traveling? I think I might've heard you say this before. Were you traveling Mm -hmm. as a consultant for your sorority? I I was, it was for um, Alpha Delta Pi sorority. It was just, that was probably the first job that like pricked my heart and like made me realize like, Hey, I kind of really enjoy working with women and like, it's okay to be exclusively like maybe one day I wanted to work for exclusively with women. And, um, it ended up being like prophetic as part of my journey. So, um, I, that job was awesome. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm trying to think we have not, I don't know how many sorority women we've had on here. So girl, we're like sisters. We're not sisters. Cause I'm not an 80 pie. I was Chi Omega, but the panhellenic organizations like taught me, I know everybody's experience is different. And I went to a small school in Alabama. It's so, like my experience is probably really different. Um, and then traveling, but they just gave me so much opportunity to like practice leadership. And to be honest, running a small business at like the ripe old age of 21. So I just, yeah, I I think they give immense value to women. Obviously, yeah. I love them, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. There's something I was going to tell you about college visits. What the heck was I going to tell you? Okay, I lost it. I don't have it anymore. It'll come um, back. But I love that. That's so <laughs> yeah. um, that's so fun. Okay, so you have this really beautiful story, Ashley, and that I really am excited to hear. And actually, you know what? I need to go back because I need to ask you a question about living in Atlanta. So here we go with this. Um, okay. So, I'm nervous about what you're about to say. Well, <laughs> so, um, okay. So Carl and I lived in um, Atlanta. So my husband, Carl, went to Georgia Tech for college. That's right. Um, and so he lived in Atlanta for a long time. We met living in North like North Georgia, um, and that's where we lived and worked together for, for several years. And we go back to Atlanta all the time because that's like our – I mean, so much of our love story mm-hmm. happened there. We got married mm-hmm. in Marietta because we were living there at the time, so that's why we planned our wedding there. But we go back all the time, and we go for like one specific reason, and it's a restaurant. Have you been to Two Urban Licks in Atlanta? Girl, I went there the other week with my girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> That is like one of the, that's probably like the first nice restaurant I went to in Atlanta and it's still a standard here. It's so good. It's, it's one of those places where I can constantly forever. I'll remember what I ordered there. Like I could tell you everything I've ever gotten there. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's never like lost its luster for me. It was Carl and I went there for one of our, it was his birthday. It was like the third time we'd ever hung out. And I went and I was like, no one knew if we were dating or not. I wasn't sure. And so I remember just like looking across the table being so giddy and butterfly-y. And so we've gone back for all these like, you know, anniversaries and stuff like that. But anyway, it's my favorite place. And I go to Atlanta as often as possible for that restaurant. That's so cute. People, Atlanta will turn you into, like, I feel like Wes and I, neither of us, like, we're here as young adults, like being like into the food scene. And then like, just being here, like, yeah, there's so many good restaurants and like, I just have so many shared memories. Like, kind of like you said, like shared memories are on the table with like getting to know him like more and more and like falling in love. And yeah, for sure. Oh, so good. Okay. Well now that that really important fact is out of the way. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, Ashlyn, I'm so, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Cause I know, um, I've gotten to hear bits of your story and, yeah. and, I I love it because I feel like your story is so similar to so many of ours where you're doing things to the best of your ability for a really long time. And it just, at some point just kind of stops working. And I love the way I, I I hate it in my own life because it's so painful, but um, when those things stop working, but when things kind of crumble, Mm-hmm. we have the ability to rebuild them. And really more mm-hmm. importantly, God has the ability to rebuild them. And I know mm-hmm. that that's so much of your story. And so as we've been talking about work and post-grad life and stuff, I know that a lot of your story started right outside of college, right? Absolutely. It was your first job. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to just dive in? Dive in, girl. Let's hear okay. it. Okay. So, and I just so appreciate, it's just like every time somebody says that like, it's a good story, I'm like, oh yeah, like the author of it, like it really, it is a good it is the only Jesus story. So, um, 
And I also like that you said things work for a while well and like then they crumble because I think like so many of us can relate to when you're just plotting along and things are like maybe not like how you'd love them to be, but you're making it work and you're making it work really beautifully on the outside. And like, it's very easy to um, kind of like glamorize it to yourself as well as to other people. So essentially what happened, like we talked about, I traveled my first job as a consultant, loved it, but I always knew I'd studied journalism growing up. Like I knew I wanted to be in like the, the tower in a big city with like clicking heels and like big clients. Like I wanted to, to me, that was like the ultimate. So that's what I wanted. And like, as soon as I finished my job as a consultant, I did move to Atlanta and like secured my dream job. Just adored it. I was working on big client accounts. Um, like getting to say I like supported Delta airlines, Chick-fil-A and like other big brands with their marketing was like all I'd ever wanted. And then, um, so like throughout this time and I was doing calligraphy at night, which I really just picked up cause I had like a cool handwriting and then, um, I took some lessons. So like I'm doing a lot, but like, like we were saying it, it worked. And then, um, I did that for a few years and the kind of like the catch and to be honest, Stephanie, and I, I don't like always talk about this when I tell my story, I never would have moved jobs if something didn't like push me into it. I was obsessed with my job. I loved it so much. I felt important. I felt needed. I found identity in it. I loved my job. It was a good, like good company, but, um, a a publicist or a a chef here in Atlanta who like had a a pretty big company came to me. It's funny. We were talking about food earlier. I know. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. Like so talking about like the Atlanta food scene, like he was like kind of at the pinnacle of it still pretty much is. And he came and, um, said he needed a publicist. And he asked once, I said, no, I love my job. He asked the second time, I said, no, I love my job. He texted me again. He was like, what is it going to take? Will you go to coffee with me? Like, I've got to, I, we really need to bring our publicity in house. Like you, we really, you know, our brand, we want you for the job. So I was like, fine, I'll go. And we were sitting over coffee on the West side in Atlanta. And he said like, what's it going to take to get you to move? And I like paused and I thought about it for a second. And I said, okay, to be honest, I work all the time. And I know that one day this will not be sustainable. Like, to be married and have a family. And so like, that's a big thing you could give me. And then I also said more money because I just didn't make a lot of money. So with those two lures, he completely lured me in. And like, as soon as I shifted the job, I went from having what I thought was a glamorous job to what I really thought was a glamorous job. I loved it. I was like pitching and landing opportunities in USA Today, Food and Wine, Bon App, like also having media come in, like we it was like talk about whining and dining. That was my lunch. That was my dinner every day. It was very I learned like I learned so much about like the the travel and leisure culture of America. It was it was good. And I I just I hope that that like I think we can all understand how like we get we fall culprit to things that are just like glamorous and like it looks different for us all, but like to me that was like it was security. And anyway, through all this, not only some things went wrong, like with the company, they, they couldn't quite deliver on their things, but I don't want to put the total blame on them because a lot of it was me. I didn't change. I was still a workaholic at heart. And um, to be honest, uh, we talked about a little bit before we jumped on and really started talking. Um, things like depression and anxiety had always like breadcrumb followed me around a little bit. To be quite honest, Stephanie, I thought that was just like how high functioning type A women were. Like we're just a little sad sometimes because we feel big and like we're just a little stressed because like we do a lot of important things. So I just, I really just thought it was like life. And the thing that like pushed it over the edge, um, my husband proposed and that was like the last straw. So on top of like my busy plate, this one other thing happened. And it was like, all of a sudden I had to plan a wedding, do this small business thing I had on the side, be perfect at work, like be ready for a promotion when it came my way. And I just started reaching out and grabbing the first thing that I could, um, to control. Like I was looking for anything that I could put in my hand and weigh and measure and control. And the, it was the dumbest idea, but I created a food bank in my head and I started counting because it felt really good to be able to measure, um, and be able to say nothing's 
confirmed and sure, but this one thing is sure. I know how many calories I put into my body today and I know what came out through exercise. And so I would just, I just would write down numbers and it was just like math and either making sure it got really close to zero or it canceled out every single day. And it was just one thing that I could say, like everything was crazy, but I did that right. And, um, obviously anybody with a brain can tell where that's going. Um, and I very quickly developed a full blown eating disorder. Um, I was 27 and I thought that that didn't happen to people my age. Um, but it did. So I can stop there so we can like unpack some of that before I kind of go into part two. I know that's like kind of a lot. (laughs) No. Oh my gosh. I'm like nodding and tearing up. And, um, especially like, I think that for a lot of us, we have these things going on in our head and we don't know if they're normal or not. And I think that that's like, I think that that's one of the things we need more than anything in the world is we need to know if what's going on with us is normal. And a lot of times the nicest thing we can hear is, Hey, this is normal. Like if you're feeling this way, you're feeling scared, you're feeling whatever, like it's normal. My favorite thing to tell anybody who's wanting to do anything having to do with writing or speaking or podcasting or chasing any sort of dream. I feel like this may be like my, like the flag I just walk around with all the time that says, if you're scared, that's normal because I feel like I need to hear that all the time. Like, listen, if this is scary to you, if this is intimidating, if you feel small, like me too, we're all in this together. You're normal. But I think the thing is that sometimes we need to know if something's not normal, you know? And I think that that's like, we don't have a good barometer for that. Like, okay, I have this anxiety going on in my head. I'm, I'm watching what I'm eating, but you know, at what point is this too much? Like we need, at some point it's like, no, we're, we're just, we're existing. We've just, we've uh, learned how to exist with a handicap. Like that's where we yeah. are, you know, and, yeah. and we need to know like, Hey, this isn't normal. And so how did you like, how did you get to that point? How did you figure out, okay, this isn't just how high functioning people are. This is mm-hmm. anxiety. This is depression, or mm-hmm. this isn't just me kind of watching my weight. This is an eating disorder. Like what was oh the tipping gosh. point there? That's such a good question. Cause I really had to crash and burn before I understood it. And that's like why in the middle of it all, I just like told, I remember one day telling the Lord, if I survive this, I'm talking about it because to like, so what happens once your like body goes into that starvation mode and you start dealing with a lot of those, as well as the anxiety and depression, panic attacks set in really quickly. Like we couldn't go to, we would be, my fiance and I would be driving to an event, have to turn around because like, I started having panic attacks in the car, like my best friend's birthday and stuff. And I'd have to go home. Um, I would have to like leave work to have panic attacks because I could feel them coming on. I definitely started having lots of suicidal thoughts and like really wanted, like, I'll just say it. I really wanted like to conveniently crash my car. So I did just would stop hurting people and stop feeling so bad. Um, I struggled a lot that all having those thoughts because I thought like Jesus girls like me don't feel like this. And like, there must be something wrong with my faith. Like this must be, I must be broken. I must not really be a good Christian. Like, I don't know. Cause I just hadn't really reconciled or come across a lot of like women of faith that also went through deep, dark depression. I found a lot of great John Piper sermons about depression during that time. I would recommend anybody go listen. Like they're pretty easy to find online. Um, he unpacks like some of the Psalms, but it was like during those months that I started to realize like I'm really spiraling out of control, but it was still, I didn't think people could notice, but, um, they could, my best friends could definitely tell Wes could totally tell. And so and my coworkers as well, but essentially what happened is I went home for my last dress fitting and I walked in the door and like my grandfather was there. So my mom and dad didn't say anything, but he left after and they were like, Ashlyn, what is going on? Like, what you look awful, like what is going on? And I broke down and I said, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. Like things just keep happening. And I felt like I was just like a a ball rolling down a hill faster and faster and couldn't stop. I was like, can you just let me get through the wedding? It was two weeks away. Can you just let me get through that? And then we can fix all this. And like, um, so I, like, I even remember like to go a little farther, um, going to like, my appointment, one of my first appointments with the doctor and like taking the tests, sitting down in the chair and the doctor saying like, Hey, you have anorexia, generalized anxiety and depression. And I looked him in the eye and I said, I don't think it's that bad. (laughs) So like to answer your question, like there, and that's why I, I still love talking about this because I think that we don't, we really don't think it's that bad, even when we're at our worst, because we really think like, 
I don't know. I just think a lot of times we think we can pray ourselves through or get through without medicine or outside help. And it's just, it's just, you know, a spiritual problem that we're having. But like the truth is it was so much more than that. I just didn't know or have the language for it. And it feels like there are all these things that we are taught to do that are good things. Things yeah. like self-care. Like that's yeah. real. That's a real thing. And um, balance in our lives. And not that we can ever achieve that, but you know, just making sure that we're not yeah. working ourselves too hard. But we're also resting and playing and spending time with people and, you know, having people in our lives. That's really good. Like there are all these things that we can do that are really good, but they don't like, they're not enough. And, yeah. and sometimes they are, sometimes they're not you know? Yeah, um, exactly. And I, I for think some that people, like, it is going to require a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, no, that's no. a just happens kind of thing. Yeah. When you were, was it control? Was it, was it perfectionism? Were you like, was it just that you had, let me erase that word just, was it that you had so many things on your plate that you were just trying to make sure they were all done like perfectly? Is Were those kind of the, like, that's Thoughts a great, on yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, I think that was one of the biggest surprises, especially after I went. So I ended up having to go on um, three, was it three weeks? Yeah. And so after we got married, I like, I started like trying to solve the problem, like make appointments and eventually and nothing was working. So eventually my mother-in-law, um, she used to have a small business and she understood how to put in for FMLA. So I put in for FMLA and like left my job. Like I was terrified I was going to lose it. I didn't know that like I could put in for medical leave and like go into, so I ended up having to go into partial hospitalization. And, um, it was during that time that I realized, like you're just saying, I think I'd always thought eating disorders cause I grew up in like a ballet world. So like lots of the perfectionism was a learned habit for me, but I definitely still kind of had the understanding. I thought eating disorders were like vanity's affair. Like it was a thing about your body and yes, it definitely manifests that way, but oh my gosh, I had no idea. So many women that were in hospitalization with me, it was a control thing for all of them, for literally everybody. It was all, it came back to like either crazy stuff going on at home with work, with just like life and just looking for anything to just be able to say like, you know what, everything's gone to pot today, but I did this right. You know, like that's all it was for anybody. It seems like. So how did you, so you went into partial hospitalization. Was this like right after you guys got married? Oh yeah. And like, these are other things I don't talk about like all the time, but like we were throwing the D word divorce around like crazy. Like it was, I really did not think our marriage was going to survive. We had to fight for our marriage because like here I am every single day telling my new husband, I don't want to be alive anymore. Everything was a mistake. If I just wasn't alive, he could be free to do whatever he wanted. He's complete his his dreams are broken again just to like get really vulnerable and honest um we waited until we were married to have sex my body couldn't because of the state it was in so like that's another thing i feel like i'm a total failure because i can't even like give my husband who's waited all these years sex so like ev- literally everything was broken home was terrible to be around it it was awful. So when I went into hospitalization, I was spending like pretty much nine to nine every single day in care. And, um, so that was like good because it gave us time apart. And I just had to like relearn how to manage feelings and emotions. And I had to relearn how to eat, how to relearn everything. But, um, I mean, that's what saved our marriage was being able to go into care like that. But yeah, it was, it was really tough on our marriage. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm oh, so- yeah. Again, I just like want people, I'm like, <laughs> this stuff happens. And like, it is, you're not, you're not like a bad person if it does. Oh man. I I'm like picturing girls faces. I'm like this, they're going to breathe this sigh of relief hearing this. So thank you. I, oh my gosh. So, um, what I want to get back to, or I want to talk about like some of the things that helped, but I want to keep going with the story just to kind of hear like what happened next. So when you got out of Um, when you like at the end of that month or at the end of that three weeks, did you go back to work? Like what did life kind of look like from there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You you asked such a good question. So I ended up, um, after that was October and in, it was like December 31st. And I remember I called my therapist and I said, I think I'm done. And she was like, it doesn't really work that way. Like we kind of have like an exit thing. And like, I knew I'd seen girls like wrap up care. And I mean, they'd be in there for years, but I just really, I really felt the Lord just be like, 
we are done. We are done with this. And so, um, I went back to work probably like halfway, like mid November or maybe the end of November and, um, hated it, but I still had to go. Like I was on, I could leave. I could go into work for a few hours a day and I would have to go back to care. And it's Atlanta Center for Eating Disorder. I feel like I like need to say their name because they're just like, they're angels there. But um, yeah, I hated going back to work because to me, that felt like being around my drug, like being around food, having to talk about it. When I like had so many different ideas about what food was after therapy and I was like relearning like how to piece meals together that gave my body what it needed, I just didn't want to be around selling food because I just... I didn't want to be around it. And so it was like through that time that like the Lord started to plant seeds. I read Laura Casey's book, Making Things Happen. And um, I realized for the first time, there's women out there that like do what they love and make money. What? Like what even is that? Um, And so I I just started thinking maybe I know I can write. I know I can do this calligraphy thing. Maybe I can make money. And so like I told Wes my dreams on that. And I also told him, I was like, okay, and I'm always going to love working, but I want to figure out how to work from a place of rest, not hustle. Hustle is Ashlyn's number one go-to, like no problem. Oh, I can hustle. Yep. You too. (laughs) Like the best of them, but it's rest thing that is really hard for me. And I told him, I was like, I just want to, I think I have it reversed and I want to figure out how to do that the right way. And so through this time, it was like mid February that <laughs> sorry, my dog decided he would like to now sit with me. Um, <laughs> you're dog during, panting. That's why. <laughs> good thing you're a dog lover too. Um, uh, one day it's the sweetest story. I like came home complaining one too many times and Wes looked at me and this is just again, like God's grace. Like he is, yes, like the best person ever, but like the sweetest story, he goes, you're done. We were going to put in for two weeks notice and we're going to quit this. And so, um, I did, he helped me do that. And like the next day I came home and he said, um, today we're going to go, like, I have a surprise for you. We're going to go get you a book. And I was like, dream day. Like I love to read. Wes hates to read. So I was like, I don't really know what's going on in here, but, um, so I, we get in the car to go get me a quote unquote book and he pulled up to Best Buy and we got a laptop for me, a MacBook. And he was like, I just want you to know, I believe in you. And I believe that you can do whatever this is that you want to do with a business. And I was like, okay, isn't that so sweet? And yes. so I put in for a leave of absence and I quit. And like the business to where it is today is really different from like where I saw it, but the mission has always been there. Like I genuinely want to help other women understand how to work from a place of rest, not hustle too, because it just, that changed everything for me. So that's kind of like the end of the story. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Best husband ever. Uh, He really is. Carl's the same way. He's so like the way, none of this, nothing would happen without him. Like he totally is like in the background, just like propping me up, cheering me on, helping me edit things. Like, I mean, just, just they're the best. Worth all the waiting. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay. So when it comes to working from a place of rest and not hustle, knowing your tendencies are perfection and working hard and hustling and stuff. How do you like tangibly, what have you done in your business to say, here are the lines? Like we don't cross these. Like how have you almost like, like kept yourself in check? So good. I have two like caveats that I want to say the first, first, the first is that I believe in seasons of hustle and seasons of rest. I don't want to be a hustle shamer. And I think it's almost impossible, especially for creative business owners. You can't really start a business without some sort of season of hustles for a little while. And like, so I do want to say like, I don't think one is bad. I just think they serve their turns and like you have to give both their space. Um, and the other thing I want to say is I'm totally figuring this out too. Um, but bit by bit I'm learning. So like exact, like tangible things I do. I'm like, I'm such a nerd. And like, I feel like I'm about to say some things that are so type A, but like, I hope it's from, I hope it's understandable that I have to do these things or else I know my, I know my fallback. So I like, I use, I'm a big user of like power sheets and simplified planner and then like tangible things. I batch my days like crazy. So, um, marketing Mondays, client work Tuesday, product, product work on Wednesdays, calls on Thursdays and finances and systems on Fridays. And like starting to give things a home and a place to go was helpful. And also like setting up personal rules through that. So like I, saying no was a huge thing I had to relearn like completely because I'm such a people pleaser, but like little things like batch days, like when some great opportunity comes in for 
some kind of marketing idea I have, great. I can deal with that next Monday. Like knowing I do, like we only, you know, I only make big expenditure purchases on Fridays. Like giving myself those little rules is helpful because then I know I don't have to do everything. I just put things in their buckets. Um, I try really hard too to stick with like my morning routine and my evening wind down routine because those are things that like help me say I am done working now. Um, like Lord, this is yours to run while I sleep and it's not mine to touch anymore. Um, so those are like batching morning routine, like giving a morning routine and an evening routine. And I'm learning a lot too, how like schedules are more like rhythms, not necessarily like, you know, hardcore stickler schedules. Like they can just be rhythms that you regularly try to hit. I'm as I go back and edit this, I'm going to be taking copious notes because seriously, girl, like you're speaking my language. Um, I could get real nerdy about some of this stuff, but I, I, I just, sometimes people like us have to, or else our go-to is like, cool, work is a blast. I'll do it till 10 PM, you know? Right. Right. And then other things start to suffer. Yeah. Um, I think that like knowing yourself, knowing the, the limits you need to have for yourself in order to get done the things you need to get done in the world. Like maybe, you know, if you're, if you're not a type A personality and you're like, you know, don't put limits on me, I'll do things kind of when I want to. Well, that can, that can harm you because you need to like get things done in order to be a functioning human in the world. And so it's like, it's maybe it's the opposite where it's like having days where you say, okay, you know, I hate doing finances. I hate doing whatever, but like this day is the day when I'm going to actually get that stuff done. So it's like knowing your tendencies and compensating for them, whether you tend to like go a little too hard or whether you tend to not go hard enough, just kind of like working around yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know girls are going to want to know what does your morning routine and your wind down routine look like? Okay. So every morning and, um, I do have like, I feel like I have a work day wind up routine and I also have like an actual morning routine. So I used to also be like really diligent, like for years. I got up at 5am. I was at the gym by six, you know, and I think like the older I get, the more too, I'm just like, I kind of want to get up when my body wants to. And like, if I want to go work out during lunch, you know, we don't have kids yet. I can go work out at night, like whatever that kind of looks like I'm learning. But, um, lately it's, um, I do try, and this is an idea from Claire Diaz Ortiz. Um, she was an early employee, I think at Twitter. Uh, yeah, Twitter. Um, and she wrote a great book called design your day that I recommend for anybody who's like interested in learning about this, but she calls them present mornings. So P is for pray. R is for read. E is for express. S is for schedule. The next E is for exercise. The N is for nourish and the T is for track. And so I have present mornings every morning. So I do my quiet time. I journal a little bit. I read some, I move around, whether that's like doing some quick stretches, going on a run or actually going to the gym, but even just like moving a little bit, I nourish. So I definitely try to get something in my belly before I do work. And then I kind of plan out, schedule my day and track. I do track my time, which that's really nerdy, but that helps me to realize like sometimes I think I work more than I do and I don't if I track my time. So that's interesting. But, um, what does that look like to track your time? I I've done a lot of different things. I, so when I worked in an agency, that was like how we managed our projects. So I think I just got used to writing down where my time went, but that can be as simple as like keeping a sticky note beside you and just writing down during the day. Because I think a lot of us have a tendency to think like we have no idea where the day went or where the time went. And it can be really helpful if you actually write down like, you know, from two to three, I did this from three to 10, I did, you know, like whatever it is, but, um, it'll help you to catch moments when you're not doing anything because, and you think you are, um, because those are little moments that can be squeezed together and then you can have more time later. Um, so that's what tracking my time has kind of taught me over the years. But when I sit down to work every day, the first thing I do, and this is again, like really nerdy, but I look at my year's goals every single day. And I, like I said earlier, I use power sheets, but I have to do that stuff because like, if I look at my little to do's on my list, I think a lot of them are dumb and I don't want to do some of them. But like, once I realize the big picture that I'm going for, I get more excited about the little to do's that are on my list. So I look at my annual goals and I kind of look at my day's goals and I look at the big three I have for the week, like the three things I have to get done. And then um, I mess it like, check in with my team. Um, we use Slack. So I just check Slack. I check the day's Instagram and Facebook posts that are ready to go out. And then um, that's it. So I just like, 
kind of do that every day to get centered. And then I pretty much dive into like deep work. Um, I just need to spend the first few hours working on usually the thing that I either don't want to do or the thing that's going to make the most time, take the most time. So if I knock that out, I'll be a lot nicer during the day <laughs> and less stressed. There was this uh, podcast, I think, and then also a blog post by Donald Miller um, that I'll have to link to. And he has this quote in the beginning of it. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. He, I love his stuff. It's There's a quote, and I think it's Mark Twain, and he says something like, I'll link to all this stuff in the show notes, but he goes, yeah, the frogs. He goes, if you have to eat a frog, eat it early in the day. If you have to eat two, eat the biggest one first or something like that. And I don't know why the heck we're eating frogs. I don't like, I need some context for this, but like, I think about that a lot. And on the days when the the days in my life that go the best, it's Mm -hmm. like that thing that I know I have to get done. I do it first. And then the like random other things happen way later in the day. But even those things feel better because it's that thing that was weighing on me when I woke up in the morning is like off my shoulders. Me too. If I can get it done before lunch, like I have such a better, enjoyable day. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like half the people who are listening are like, y'all are nuts. And the other half are like, I just took (laughs) these are my amazing notes and they're all bullet pointed and color coded. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Cause like my husband and I don't know what Carl's like, but like Wes is completely not like this at all. Like this kind of stuff, like would make him feel so trapped. But like, for me, it gives me more freedom because like, I understand where things are going. So I think it's that if you look at this and think like it's free and great, do it. If you look at it and think it sounds trapping, like great, do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. One thing I wanted to ask you is I know that in talking about your first couple jobs that they were really overwhelming and they were really like, there was no work-life balance. And and in some respects, you said like some of that was on you, but some of that was yep. on your employers. And and I think that, you know, for there are some girls that are listening that do their own thing. And then there's some that don't. And I think that I know I've had bosses where it's, you know, I'm trying to go to bed and I get a text from them and I can even yeah. still remember that like nauseous feeling you get of like, Oh no, I did so- like, I didn't do enough. I did something wrong. Or like all of a sudden you're pulled out of whatever you were doing. Do you have any tips on like how to create boundaries in intense, env- like in environments like yeah. that, whether they're really intense or just medium intensity? How do we, oh how do gosh. we do well, that? First, I want to say I loved corporate life. Like so much. And so I think that, um, like there's tremendous value in it. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, like entrepreneurship and creative small business and like that stuff is obviously, I believe in it so wholeheartedly, but like what corporate life taught me about business leadership, learning from other people, it was just invaluable. And so I don't regret those days for a moment, um, specifically the ones inside the agency I really liked working for. So as far as like, um, work-life balance and finding that, I think the trick, at least for me was finding a company that valued it too. So out of the three businesses that I worked for, it was the one that like, really they had work-life balance, like committees, they had like events for us to go to and like lunch and learns. They had agency wide outings, like development stuff. Like they really put a lot of stake in, and, and money honestly too, in like valuing their employees off time. And I think it was at least again, for me, my experience, it was working at companies where I saw that as like a tenant that those companies made the difference. It was when I worked for ones where that was like, not even a conversation anybody was having that when I told, I remember one time I told my boss, I said, um, cause they would ask me to sleep with my like phone under my pillow for emergencies. And I said one time, I'm going to need one day off a week to like, not not work and to just rest and to like unwind. This is when I started to get really sick and they like point blank looked me in the eye and said, then you're in the wrong job because that's not possible here. And I was like, I like kept bucking them on it. And, um, cause I knew, I knew it was possible. Like I, I, those, I was like, obsessed with like reading Forbes and like Harvard business review in those days. And I was like, no, like there are major world companies that operate like this. Like something's broken on your end. If we don't have the infrastructure in place to support this, like I started to be like, I remember, um, there was a Tim Ferriss interview I was listening one to, to one time. He was like, when I started being a pain in the butt for everybody, that's when I realized I needed to go. And that's kind of how it was for me too. I was like, this is just not going to work. Um, so that's the best advice I have. Like look for the businesses. Um, if this is something that like really piques your interest and you're really like valuing, look for businesses that value it too. That makes sense. And it seems like what you did was to say, Hey, like I hear the expectations you're setting for me. I need to push back on them. And you did. And when they like didn't meet you there, you had to say, okay, well then I think I need to make a different decision. Yep. Yep. And and that's when I knew like, I'm not going to be here much longer because I, that I don't agree with that in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk about boundaries forever. That's one of the things I've been learning lately is like how to decide what you need and what is best for you and your family and what, what you say yes to and what you say no to, and then drawing a line there and then actually like keeping it. It's really hard because I'm, I'm totally a people pleaser too. Um, it's really hard, but it's that, so it, 
there's so much freedom in it, um, both Amen. for you and for the people on the other side, because everyone knows what they expect. And if like people know, if you don't meet those expectations that, you know, then we have to make a different decision. And it's, yep. gosh, those are so hard to set, but they're really Didn't good. we talk about one time that boundaries book by Clouds and Townsend? Didn't we talk about I that? think so. And I, yes. I'm probably so not much further in it than I was when we talked about it, but I've been listening so to it good. on Audible. It's like a million hours long, but I'm, I'm loving it. I'll link to it. It's so, it's so good. I'll link to okay. all this in the show notes. Um, so Ashlyn, I wanted to ask you, you know, if, if girls are finding themselves in a place where either with anxiety or depression or with like, they're thinking, you know, I thought I was, I don't know, my relationship with food might be kind of concerning. Um, mm-hmm. where do they go for help? Like what, Absolutely. what do you, yeah. Where do they go? That's a good question. And I think like, that's where it gets to. It's like, when you think like my habits are a little bit more excessive than like, because I think orthorexia is a thing too. And that is when you're addicted to like working out. And like, for me, that probably developed first. I was just like really obsessed with making sure I never missed my gym time and like, you know, always got in that hour class. And so, um, once you realize those habits, it is definitely time to just like reach out. Um, I think that at least for me, it was probably easiest to ask my friends before I went to my parents first, if they knew of a counselor that I could talk to. And so I did start talking to a counselor that was connected to a church and she was great. And in the end, she ended up not being um, qualified to like take me to the level that I needed, but she was the one that caught stuff and started to realize so like I, a good counselor or therapist is going to be able to say like, Hey, like this is like medical or like, this is something that we can work through together. So I think, um, I would, I really do think asking your girlfriends, because a lot of girls go to counseling and therapy and just don't talk about it with each other and are really happy to share names. So, um, talking to your trusted friends, um, and figuring out that first step, somebody you can go to is really helpful. If you think it's a little more than that, then I do think stepping in and getting um, your family involved because, um, there's, there's a lot of medical expenses that can go to, into it too. Um, but yeah, a first step, just like finding just a therapist or a counselor to talk to and kind of gauging where you're at. I think that's so good. And, um, last season on the podcast, we had a friend of mine who's a counselor in Atlanta actually, um, on the show. And she gave us so many, we talked all the way through how to find someone, how to yes. know if it's a good fit, how to pay for it. If your insurance covers it, like I what you're looking that. for, all these things. And so I'll link to that in the show notes too. Um, but I love that that's like, that's a really good first step. And it's something we've actually been talking about a lot. And so, um, I love that that's, I need to go find that podcast and link to it in some blogs we have because I feel like we get asked like how to find a counselor a lot. That's so great to know you did that. Yes, there's so many. I mean, we have so many questions about like the yeah, the how do you pay for it? How do you pay for it? So many things. Yes. Um. What about and this may be like a question for a counselor, but um, Mm -hmm. I I know that you've been in so much counseling about this and you've Mm -hmm. you know been learning so much about this. If we have a girlfriend who we are kind of worried about, like what do we do? That is a good question. And this is when I feel like a counselor would be better to answer it. I can only speak to it from my point of view um, and just say that I I didn't think I had a problem. And like, I can't say that enough. Like I really thought whenever, so like, I guess my advice that I can lend to it is just saying like, if she bucks you to the side or she brushes it off, like, no, she heard you, but she's definitely not likely going to admit, um, that learned that like kind of to be true for a lot of us who are in therapy together. Like you just, you really, you're hiding it. You don't want to admit you have a problem. And so I had, even when I had a friend that went through that in high school and we would say stuff to her, she didn't, she kind of ignored it. So, um, that's the best. I do think a counselor would be better about figuring out what to do, but even just you saying something to her is a great red flag to her that like, this is not something that's hidden because eating disorders tend to be a hidden disease. And by you speaking up about it, you're reminding her like, this is not just a you thing anymore. It's starting to show. And that is really powerful. That's really good. And I think like something, yeah. Yeah. And I think just like loving people, you know, I think with a lot of things that we we go through, sometimes we're not ready to talk about it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we're not ready to ask for help ourselves, but like knowing that someone's there to talk through something with us, just having someone say, Hey, I'm here with you. Um, you know, I'm here to listen. I'm here to talk. I'm here to help you find resources. Um, I think that, you know, the, the response may not be like, Oh, really great. Like let's hug and find some resources together. But, um, but yeah, I think that just, I think 
anytime we, we can find out that we're not alone. That's really, yep. like we need that. Yes. Yes. So Ashlyn, I could talk to you for a million, million years about this, um, so but I wanted to ask you, um, we have just kind of three last like podcasty questions. Okay. Um, actually, before we do that, I wanted to see, you know, if girls are listening and they're struggling with perfectionism or, you know, if they, if their plate is just overflowing and so mm-hmm. full, or if they are kind of sitting here wondering, like, maybe I do, maybe I am really struggling with some anxiety or some depression, or maybe my relationship with food isn't like, maybe mm-hmm. I do have more of a, a problem than I thought. Like, do you have any just last encouragement or wisdom for us? Yeah. There's like, there's nothing wrong with you and you're really normal. Um, I just going back to what I said earlier, thinking like, I just, I couldn't find anybody talking about this kind of stuff and normalizing it in a way that felt normal to my life. Like as a 27 year old girl, I just like any resources I found or eating disorders, the way they were depicted in the media was always like 14 year old girls in high school or something. And like nothing felt like me. So just like, no, this is very rampant, very common, even like an anxiety and depression are too. Um, and then the other thing that I always want to remind people, it's like, so okay to get help. Like somebody told me, it's kind of like when you have a, or my mom, actually, she was like, you know, if he had a broken arm, we would be going to the hospital, get this fixed. We're going to get this fixed too. And like, I was so anti-medicine, so anti-medicine for, I mean, like going into it and I came out and was on medicine. And so like, I just had to learn, like, this is just, this is medical and it's okay. It's not, I'm not broken. It's just like some things in my brain are not you know, going on track and we can fix it. So that's like what I want to remind people. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. Okay. All right. Our last couple of podcasty questions. Okay. First of all, I want to know what is God teaching you these days? Still control. <laughs> I feel like um, that's something that I'm never going to finish learning. I'm just constantly, I feel like that's my life's work is how to figure out how to be a girl who loves like what the Lord created with work. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have read Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor and like just the way that the Lord created work endlessly fascinates me. And so I think like I'm always trying to learn how to be in that and love how he created work and reconcile that with the freedom that we have in Christ. So like, that's just what he's continuing to teach me, like what it looks like to run a business that's like quote unquote successful and lead a team, but at the same time, like pause and like be creative and like spend time on things that don't have like a quote unquote reward attached to them. So, um, that's what I'm learning. If that makes any sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, it totally does. Okay. Something that you've talked about is, um, I am trying to remember your exact words. Something about, um, not being cured, but being empowered. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that really quickly because I feel like you sort of touched on it. Yeah. So, um, that, Oh, I should have said that earlier too. Um, I did learn through recovery that recovery doesn't so much mean cured as it means equipped. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, that's kind of what I learned, like going through recovery as with recovery from anything, I think you don't, you're not like, it's like Paul with the thorns, like in this, you're not going to be, it's not going to be removed and not leave scars. It's going to leave scars. You just know how to deal with it now. Like I still get stressed. I still get sad sometimes, but the difference is I know what to do with those thoughts. Now I know how to tell them where to move. I know that I am not my thoughts. I know how to like push them to where I want them to go instead of like believing every single thought that crossed my mind, which I did for years. So that's what like recovery to me has just like given me an entire arsenal of tools that I can use to take care of myself, to enjoy life, to eat and, you know, have mindfulness. And those are all things that I learned through recovery. So I do think like, um, yeah, it didn't like sometimes our scars and the things we struggle with, we may never be completely 100% free of them, but we just learn how to deal. I feel like we're, we're going off topic here a little, or not off topic, we're going off the rails a little bit here, but like with, as you're talking about not being your thoughts and like not believing the thoughts in your head and sending Mm -hmm. them where to go, like, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know what a thought was. I remember when I went into recovery, like my therapist, like the the main one that I was assigned to, she kept saying like your thoughts, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember stopping here very early on and I said, can you explain to me what a thought is? Because I don't know anymore. Like to me, it was just a, my, a script in your head all the time. And I just believed everything I heard my brain say, you're 
fat, you can't eat that. You are, you know, you're this, you're that, you're sorry piece of whatever you're, you know, I just believed everything that I heard. And so she started to help me unwind and be able to like step back and see like, these are thought, like there's cognitive thinking and like the best way, and I am, there's going to be a psychology major listening to this. He's like, let me tell you how to explain this better. But the way it was described to me that like really sunk in is your brain is like a piece of soap. And if you drag a needle on the piece of soap over and over in the same path, it's going to leave a dent. And so what you're doing when you're creating new thought process processes is dragging that needle a new way. And so it's got to get used to going down the new path and it's totally doable, but it's just got to like carve out that new thinking path. And so that was a big like thing for me with learning how to rethink. I had to train my thoughts on, you know, when my brain says this, no, I'm actually equipped and I'm worthy. I'm just as worthy as they are. My body is valuable. My body is strong and can take care of itself. Like telling my brain new things that it had never told itself before. That's so good. The soap thing yes. is so good. We Isn't something that, that good visual? Yes. Yes. Um, something that we've talked about on like, I think probably half of our episodes is Second Corinthians 10, 5, 5, 10. We do okay. this every time, every time. And girls have been listening. They're like, Stephanie really needs to learn this um, reference. I'm pretty sure it's 10, 5. <laughs> um, but it's the scripture that says like, we capture our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Um, and I feel like that's exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying is you're taking that's the thought it. and you're looking at it in the eye and you're saying, do you belong to Christ? Like, do you, is yes. this consistent with who God says he is and who he says I am? And if it's not, you like move it to Preach. be what's true. But the thing about it is that we have to know what God says. We have to know who yeah. he says he is and who we are in order to like refute that. And that's why yep. I feel like it's so, it's one of the reasons why it's so important to be reading scripture and memorizing scripture. Yes. Yes. And clearly I have some work to do because I can never remember that reference. Girl, it's me terrible. Too. I just, I, memory is tough for me. Yes. yes. Um, okay. So my second podcasty question is tell us about something that you've been loving lately. Um, it can honestly be anything. Okay. This is like, this is really random. Okay. So I am in my first like paid mastermind this year and I love it. It's been like a great chance for me to feel like, um, I'm just, I'm not alone and I'm like the dumb person in the room. And, um, I just get to be with business owners who are like, like me in revenue, in personality and everything. And there is one girl in there who has a business called Primally Pure and they're based in California. And she, I've just like, She's open. I've started like little by little replacing products just to be a little bit more like health conscious, but I kind of like didn't love all of them until I started using her stuff and it is so good. And I just wanted to like shout them out. Her stuff is so great. Um, I've started washing my face with oil and my skin has really improved, which I never thought I would do. Um, she has a non-toxic deodorant, which I've loved. And so like, that's been fun for me that that's a complete like left turn that has nothing to do with business or anything, but just being introduced to her brand. And, um, she's a believer and just like, a really cool woman with like a heart for making things that are good for our bodies to soak in. And, um, I've really, I've loved that stuff. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone's like, okay, going, I'm going, I'm checking it out. That's awesome. Um, really quickly. Can you just give us a little background on what a mastermind is just in case people were like, wait, what? Yes. Okay. So, and my husband asked that all the time. Um, a mastermind is essentially like a gathering of like-minded, typically business in a business sense, people who can, um, kind of on a peer to peer standpoint, look at each other and kind of call each other out, make comments and grow together as one. So, uh, there are a lot of like peer led masterminds out there for business owners, um, not paid, which is awesome. Um, for me, they worked best when they are paid, uh, because I think I like, I, get in what I put out. I like put a little more skin in the game and I show up to stuff, but it's just been that mine is like 25 women. And it's just been the, it's kind of like business small group. Um, and not all of them are like faith-based or anything, but it's just been a good way to kind of like have mindset worked in with, like we talk about strategy, of course, but like we talk about mindset, which is what I really need help with. Yes. Okay. That's so good. Um, if I, I don't know if girls will remember this, we actually had a member of my masterminds, um, on the show in our first season, but, um, I'm in one and it's peer led and it's, yeah. um, it's free, but it's been so good. And it really is. So good. Um, I always describe it that way too. I'm like, it's like my business small group. Um, yes. but they're just like yes. amazing women who, um, we just get to like walk through this together and be in it yep. together, which everything is better that way. Yeah. You don't fall alone. No. Um, well, okay. This, I might've, we might've stolen your answer for the third one, but tell me about a woman who's been inspiring you lately. Oh, that is good. No, let me think of a good one. Um, I would say one, oh yeah. My, um, 
the financial coach behind my business is, has really like she, cause I'm not like, I can market the heck out of anything. That's my background. But like the finances side is something that I'm always like trying to like learn how that works. And so Sheena Skidmore is like the first person I found who like is what I like the mindset and the ideas that I bring to the table when it comes to selling and marketing, she has the same mindset when it comes to finances, as far as like work and hustle and rest and like margin and giving and stewardship. And so, um, I just think like I continue to, she speaks into me. She's kind of like a big sister for me. Um, not only in business, but just in life. And, um, like she has the best garden. I want to have a garden like her. She's just, (laughs) she's the best. And, um, so Sheena is probably like, I'm just constantly inspired at her book record. Every book she tells me I read, um, I'm just really inspired by the way she serves women, but also like puts a premium on like resting to recharge and worship the Lord. So yeah, Sheena for sure. Oh my gosh. Um, Ashlyn, this has been so good. Seriously, this has been so life-giving for me. And I like, I know that girls are just going to eat this up and I know they're going to want to come follow along with you. We'll have all of your information and everything in our show notes. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty and just for being such a good friend to us by, by encouraging us and just sharing these things with us today. I just am so grateful for you. Well, thanks for giving me the chance to talk about some of these things. I really appreciate that. You guys, isn't Ashlyn amazing? I just loved her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know we talked about so much in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Ashlyn's contact info so you can follow her and so y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all, and you guys have left the sweetest comments. I cannot even begin to tell you how much it means to me, and also, it helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one second to leave a rating and a review. Thank you so much. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and trust me, you are not going to want to miss it. See you then.